full circle. Full circle. Hi, I'm Miss Wanda, and this is Full Circle. Girlfriend, this is a place where you and I can connect. It's the show that embraces a 360-degree look at womanhood. It's our voice, our perspective. It's what we care about, and it's how we feel. Empowerment through conversation is what it is. This is Full Circle. Family, welcome to another edition of Full Circle. You know, we are in the fourth year of Full Circle, having celebrated our anniversary just last weekend. And I am so excited to kick off year four with an amazing guest, family. You are not going to want to miss any piece of this episode. We are going to jump right into the show today. I'm super excited to invite into the studio Cheryl Rich. Cheryl has survived some unthinkable odds. She was a mother at 12, convicted by 25, and burying her only child at 30. She made the choice to skip suicide and find her sanity. And now she is a clinical psychologist and executive producer in television. And she is doing so many amazing things in the world. And I was just telling her before the show that it is about to be on a whole nother level. I'm so happy to have Cheryl Rich in the studio joining me via Zoom all the way from Los Angeles. Cheryl, thank you so much for joining the program this morning. Wanda, thank you for having me. What a privilege for you to reach out to me, my girl. Most of all at this stage. I'm so excited to have you here and you know like I was telling you off air I have been a fan of Fox Soul and watched some of the programs and started watching the house and we'll get to that much later because there's so much richness to your story but the first time I saw you on the house I was like oh yeah there was something about you. I was like, I love her transparency, her openness, uh, her honesty, the way she is just breaking it down and keeping it all the way real. And uh, as I became a fan of the show and I was watching you on another one of my favorite Fox Soul programs, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just shoot my shot. I'm going to just go ahead and, and reach out and hit slide in her DMs and see if she'll uh, be on the show. Because I feel like just hearing those snippets of your story were yes. so powerful. And I always tell the full circle audience, there's someone on the other side of your story. There's mm. someone on the other side of your healing. Like that is not just for you. It's Woo. for you to share with the world. Woo. And you so, are so right. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you put that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and, indeed. and so I wanted, I was like, I'm gonna shoot my shot. And I, when you wow. replied, I was just so, and I still was sitting in a moment of just gratitude um, oh. because this is way bigger than you and I. Oh yes. It's way Thank bigger. Thank you, ma'am. That's so true. And right now, when you said that, I'm thinking courage is free. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. that. That's what's running through my head. My head right now, courage is free. And, and when we take that step in faith, mm -hmm. something that we can't see, then the creator hears our thoughts Absolutely. and manifest and the dreams of our hearts are manifested. Introduce yourself to the full circle family. Uh, for those that may not know, because family, if you don't know now, you know today, and you'll definitely be glad that you know today because Miss Cheryl is about to be on, a, like I said, whole nother level. So introduce yourself to the Full Circle family. Well, uh, my name is Cheryl Rich. I'm told by so many people now, oh, start from where you are. You put too much weight on the past. And so, you know, I'm still kind of figuring all that out. Start from where I'm at. But if I start from where I'm at, 
how did I get there if I don't talk about that past? Right. So, you know, I'm from the ghetto streets of Cleveland. I always like to claim the ghetto because um, there's a song by Bobby Womack. It's called Across 110th Street. For all you all that may not know, do Google that, you know, YouTube that. And it says um, something to the effect of those on the other side of town will catch hell without a ghetto around. So a ghetto was created in the land where America's first heroes were America's first crooks. So I claim that I'm, I'm from the ghetto streets of Cleveland, two parent household. But most of all, I came out of a mother who could not afford me. You know, it took me years to understand. You said it best, Wanda. It's something on the other side of the story. And the story was she was a black female in 1958. I'm 63 years old by the grace. And she couldn't afford another kid. She had she had an eight year old already. So I often think about, you know, taking a hundred dollars now. We all know how that's a lot of money in our community. But she took a hundred bucks and and proceeded back to Baltimore, which is where she her mother was to to uh, pay for an abortion and she paid. So, you know, I always tell people I hid behind the left portion of the liver. Here I am. So that's the most important thing. I came from a womb who was not happy. And uh, when you get a chance to really delve into life and begin to say, okay, well, who was this person? Who were these people that raised me? And what tools did they have? Then you, you stop feeling like you want to kill yourself and you don't like yourself and, because you get an understanding. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where it starts. You make a really good point in that. And, and I've had other talk to other guests about this too, that we don't see our parents in that light. And I love how you said Mm-mm. thinking about who they were, because before they were mom and dad, they were people. And what struggles did they go through and what things did they face and hardships and all of those things that we don't. A lot of times I think the children, the offspring of those people don't consider their journeys. You're so right. Until you end up being a 12 year old mother and you're unable to love your child like I I hated him. I didn't want him. You know, Um, my family found out they thought I was five months pregnant. I was seven. So you have to ask yourself, how did a little 11-year-old girl walk around seven months pregnant and it not be known? It just makes no sense. As an an adult with a frontal lobe, either developed or still developing, whichever one you want to call us. Um, And so, you know, I hated this child and I didn't want him. And so I've been on both sides of the fence. So now when you've been the parent that could have got the worst parent award, and then you've had this parent that was in, your parent was in a, a mental struggle. You want to figure out, you want to delve into your, who raised you. You want to find an understanding because you was just the worst mother of the world, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why I took out time to say, no, I can't keep being this victim. I have to find uh, some stability in my mind. And in order to do that, I've got to start doing some understanding some soul searching i want to go back to the comment that you made that kind of just slipped under the radar until right now you said you hid behind your mom's liver your mother actually went she paid and had at what she thought was an abortion yes indeed and and every you know so many people have said why do you know that story well i'm sure she told you right 
Thank you. Wow. Right. I never, either that or I hear behind the left portion of the liver. So I don't like to tell people that my mother told me that story because I never had to know that story, which explains a lot of the turmoil that I've been through with my mom. So instead of, instead of saying that part, I just say, I hear behind the left portion of the liver. <laughs> well, you were supposed to be, you was in the good hiding place because you were supposed to be here today. Yeah, I heard that. Growing up with this tumultuous relationship with your mom and you becoming pregnant at 11, like how did you reconcile all of that as this baby at 11? Yeah, yeah. well, there's a book coming. Yeah. The title is going to be Naked Insanity. So a lot, I got a, some nuggets here. I got to leave for the yes. books. Yes. Well, and you know, we, we are black people, you know, we, we told, I tell everybody, they say, if you had, if you put it in a book, you can hide it from black folks. But uh, I tell everybody we were enslaved. We are not we're kings and queens. And people say, ah, that king and queen word. No, they, the enslavement demons chose the best of the best of the best. Whether when they got here or when they were, we were on our way on that ship. They didn't choose. It was strategic demons. And so, you know, with that said, we understand that um, why we didn't read. Okay, we got killed if we were caught reading. But a book like mine, Naked Insanity, and with the rugged, treacherous journey I've been, yeah, a lot of us that don't read gonna pull that book and be like, no, 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 I got to I got to, uh, I got to read this, you know, so I'm going to save some of that, but, um, you know, 11 years old, not even understanding. I mean, I, many people right now that's listening, all of you that's chosen and highly favored to have found Wanda who has a heart to care about our voices, our community and inviting all the other community and voices in too, to hear, we got to understand that when we, you were 11 years old, your mind can't even conceive. I couldn't even conceive that I was pregnant. I felt something moving. And back then people were like, what do you mean? You know, you know, I knew what had happened to me, you know, but it still did not register. And that's the hardest thing to explain. How does a baby be moving in your stomach and you're not sure of what it is? You know, well, you're almost 11. You're 11. I know. I know. But everybody knows, you know, whatever, you know, the pussy, you know, the molestation, whatever was going on, I knew something that had occurred. But to equal that with a baby moving inside my stomach, it just, it did not register. Yeah. We're going to leave nuggets for the book. And of course, ah. you know, when the book comes out, you're invited uh, back. Uh, you know this, that, right? You have an open door to come back. Thank you. <laughs> I truly appreciate that. Family, if you're just joining us, this is Full Circle. I'm your host, Ms. Wanda. I'm having a conversation with my guest, Cheryl Rich, clinical psychologist, certified intervention specialist, life coach, co-host of The House on Fox Soul, survivor, person that is walking in triumph and, you know, God's grace over her life. Mm. Mm. You know. I hear something. I just heard I just heard you talking and I'm thinking, you know, who? what could it be? except God's grace. Right, right. So glad you said that. Yeah. You know, um, I, when I was in my 20s, I used to say, God, 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 you know, where, mm -hmm. where? And I used to call God, a he, in my world, God is a she, God's a girl now. But uh, I didn't believe that there was a higher power. And so now for anyone who's listening, for no matter what, whatever you're going through, 
there's got to be something bigger that controls it, whether we feel we made bad choices or good. What is good and bad if we can learn from whatever? And so I, I often tell people, if there's not a creator of all of heaven and earth, which is what I call her, show me who lives forever. I haven't met anyone. And so until that happens, I know there's, because why do we leave these bodies? We're really spirits having a human experience. So it is grace Ooh. on all of our lives. When you, I'm going to fast forward a little bit to Please. where you find yourself in the midst of a, of drug addiction. Mm -hmm. And I was in reading your bio. I know that you got your BA. You were selling drugs to pay for college. Well, I'll put it to you like this. I was, I was selling and using, I started off selling drugs because Tupac's group said it best. The S H I T I ain't got B to S H A T. I got to take. I try not to curse unless I'm making a point. I tell everybody I'm from the ghetto, not of the ghetto. So, you know, there's an artist, everybody, by all means, look him up. Uh, he's coming with smoke. His name is Rusty California. And if you type him in something called Hip Hop DX, which is like Time Magazine for rap music, you just cannot get an article in Hip Hop DX unless you're Eminem or someone. But Rusty... If you type in Rusty California, Kendrick Lamar's name is going to pop up. And that's because Kendrick borrowed a phrase without permission. So everybody's waiting on, I don't like to say my artist because he's like my, he's like a son to me. He's like my partner. And um, so when he was 15 years old, he was in Juvenile Hall and Layla Steinberg, who began Tupac Shakur's career. Uh, if, you, if you don't know her, Google her, Mad History in the rap game and i tell everybody hip-hop was raped by rap hip-hop was meant to empower like james brown said in the 60s said loud i'm black and i'm proud that's what hip-hop was meant to do but some demonic forces owned and controlled the distribution lines and it's not by chance hip-hop got flipped to gangster rap and because music is the most powerful element of the brain it affects the brain it it was designed to fill up the private prison system and I constantly say, if there were adults controlling the distribution lines, why did, and I don't have anything against the song, but rolling down the street, smoking in dough, sipping on gin and juice, laid back with my mind on my money and my money on my mind. In our era, when I was coming up, we had, you know, inner city blues and those kinds of songs that educated us. So this music flipped. So, and that's why to fill up the private prison system. So Layla Steinberg, who began Tupac Shakur's career is one of my business partners. And we've been inside juvenile halls, foster homes, prisons with her mic sessions. And that's where we found his real name is Gregory Rusty Bell. Past stage name is Pat's Justice. His uncle, his daddy, they were second generation of the Crips here in LA, but they stopped and bought all the uniforms for the little kids who played football so rusty's first stage name was pat's justice he was his uncle patrick's justice and when he was 15 he wrote a poem layla gives a word in mic sessions you either write about it sing about it dance about it draw about it whatever your art form and she gave this word and a week later you engage in thought and come back and this is what rusty came back with so yeah when you look him up and his again his last his um past name is pat's justice and I'm going to give you a little bit of this. It says, 
They say the 60s was crazy, but the 80s was worse. Crack fucked blacks and gave birth to a curse. The moon is bright. The sky is misty. Know my future because I know my history. My life predicted by a gypsy. At the end of the story, murder she wrote. The streets get me. Ghetto prisoner. Won't stop fighting until I'm free. Raising city of fallen angels where niggas ain't scared to bleed. If money is the root of all evil, then greed's the seed. This ain't living. We taking because ain't nobody giving. America's a rich man's vision, but a poor man's prison. So don't expect these politicians to give you a pop to piss in. Preacher man, stop listening. Because niggas ain't finna listen. Folks done lost hope and stop trying. Life's a bitch from the start. That's why you come out your mama crying. And the people are dying and gone mad. I take a shit on the White House. Wipe my ass with the flag. When would the murder end? Too many browns and blacks in the system. Victims of legal sin. In court praying for mercy when condemned by evil men. There ain't no love in the heart of the city. If it's a God, where is he? My homies dying over hundreds and fifties. I sit back, sip yak, and analyze the situation. And a person alive today know the monster we facing. They crucified Jesus Christ, saw Marcus Garvey for rice, shot Malcolm X in the chest, gave Nelson Mandela life. Pop died at 25, Biggie died a year younger all my life and broke. I'm motivated by my hunger, tell my mama bury me with a 357 just in case God tripping. I don't get into heaven. If he sent me to hell, then oh well. Because I just did 19 years in the ghetto as a black male. And it can't get much harder than that. Had a lot of pain in my heart. So I started to rap. You see them other brothers that make you dance. Justice that make you thank. You saving up for a Bentley. Saving up for a tank. It's just the mindset of a shoulder. Shit is crazy, huh? This is what I see. We no longer slaves, but we sure ain't free. So until I ain't got to kill and steal from my own folks, tattooed across my soul are these words I just spoke. Who the F y'all going to call when I break all the laws on behalf of every innocent criminal? I said all that to say I was an innocent criminal. Trapped in the ghetto streets of Cleveland. In a society where America's first heroes was America's first crooks. So I can't even make it that pretty that I was selling drugs to go to school. Oh no, it ain't that pretty. I was doing just what everybody else was doing. Trapped in this land. It was stolen by demons. Crack was trapped in our community. Ain't nobody, our babies ain't killing each other. I'm gonna shoot you, I'm gonna shoot you too. This is design. So... I was wilding out in a lot of pain, hurting, thinking that a substance could make it better. Anybody out here suffering with a drug addiction, any type of addiction, because they come in all forms, it's not the answer. So I was wilding out, catching case after case, uh, had a daddy that had inner city money. We had an attorney. My father had a third grade education, worked at Republic Steel. That's the daddy, I, the only daddy I've ever known. And uh, we had a family attorney. When I get in trouble, Mr. Lee, get the money back. Take me in the judge's chambers. No, the payoff should have happened in the hallway. In the judge's chambers, I see the judge, prosecutor, get their money out the bag. And Mr. Lee, and I go out, stand in front of the judge and get probation. Six times? Huh. I saw the just for them system from the inside. So every crime I committed, everything that I did, I want our people to understand the system was set up and designed. Do we have choice? Yes, we do. Are many of us feeling like we trapped animals? Yes, that's a fact too. So that's my answer. Pretty long-winded there, but. I'm sitting here just taking it all in. Thank you. Ooh, that was good. That was so good, family. We're going to take a break. That was really good.
We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with more Cheryl Rich dropping major knowledge on y'all family. So don't go anywhere. This is Full Circle. We'll be right back after this. Like what you hear? Drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. It's not just talk when you put it into action. Empowering women through conversation with Miss Wanda. We are back, family. Thank you so much for staying with the program. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a conversation with my guest, Dr. Cheryl Rich. Are you Dr. Rich? Wait a minute, hold she on. is different. I have a master's in okay. clinical psychology. Okay. Yeah. Cheryl Rich. Maybe I just spoke that for you. I don't know. Clinical psychologist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, clinical psychologist, certified intervention specialist, life coach. First of all, before we get into any conversation, we had to drop that Bobby Womack knowledge on the people. <laughs> Wanda, I, I just want to say you all, when we was headed to break, and I heard Wanda say, this one's for you. And she put that song on while we were on break. She and I was basically having a Holy Ghost good time. <laughs> That's what it was, because I said to Wanda that was powerful for her to do that because she just changed a lot of lives for you that are out there that had never heard that song, that you had a chance to hear it because that is the importance of music. That's the kind of music that was pumping into our brains to give us an education. And, and Wanda and I said, wow, that's a whole whole course of knowledge within itself. And then we started talking about how everything, you know, is heating up, you know, the killings of black on black crime. Is that what you were talking about? Yeah. Also, Jawanda? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I had just said what we must understand is that this is so important of what the music has done to our young people's minds. Yeah. If we can hear a song like Across the 110th Street and it give you chills and your heart race, then we understand why we have the artists we have now and the distribution lines is pumping this kind of stuff into our kids' brains. And now we understand why this anger, why this need to kill. So what can we do? We can continue to have the same type of belief and pray that our ancestors had to have had. We cannot think it is, it is so super horrible because we have to acknowledge that something is so vicious that's going on, but we got to know without a shadow of a doubt, we are the strongest of the strongest of the strongest. I didn't understand that until I went to see that museum in DC. I knew we were strong, but we are the descendants of the ones that didn't even jump. I don't care how bad it looks. Every black person standing in black skin understand your prayers are serious. They cannot defeat us. The revolution is being televised and somehow our baby's going, some going to give, mm. some love going to happen. So thank you. Cause that's the power of music, baby. This ain't no joke of what they feed our, our baby's brain. People don't understand that. And like I was telling you off air, like for me, it was music was in me, like no joke. And I tell this on the, uh, I've done this in public speaking talks. I've told people on the air all the time when I share my story, like that Ooh. music was ingrained in me my soul is comforted by music and a lot of people are and that's the thing it's like what are we drawn to and they always say be careful what you put in your ears be careful what you're looking at because those things manifest inside you and so what are we doing and how how can we change the narrative and the way you your body moves when the music come on the way you throw your hands up it's it is when you say that's my soul it's the most powerful element on earth that's why a presidential election is trying to find a song. 
yeah. you know and and so it is so important to understand that this is not happening by chance that you my babies you know now we have the world wide web mm -hmm. they couldn't even get a deal if they weren't coming with a certain type of destructive it was just that simple so that's true very true I want to flip to because you do a lot of work in the community. Like I said, you're a clinical psychologist, intervention specialist. You do a lot for people out in the community. You've been doing work for a long time. And you talked about earlier how you and your partner go to prisons and juvenile hall and things like that and talk to people. Let's talk a little bit about the work that you're doing. And how did you get there? Like you pulled yourself from addiction. Yeah. Got True. your degree, ended up getting your master's, and then you just started helping other people because you knew this knowledge wasn't just for you. Yeah. The whole key is when you experience so much pain. You know, I always say, you know, when one's birthright is taken, you know, you're supposed to be nurtured and stroked and, and hugged and kissed. And thank God for Grandma Beulah because that's who, that's who was there to do that. But if there's anything, when you've gone through so much pain, the only thing you want to do is figure out how you can keep just one person from not hurting like you've hurt. With that in mind, you begin to be quite creative with what can I do on a grassroots level to make somebody else's life a little bit better? You know, I, I want to talk about, you know, I separated from life after having Eric at 12 who mind you got killed in a car accident. So that's a whole nother story. But I separated from life and I didn't get the foundation of this education in this on our land. Cause I always, I always have to let everybody know a lot of academia people get mad at me. Cause I say that now the man that invented college didn't go to college. Uh-oh, should I say that one more time? Yes, please. <laughs> For the people in the back. <laughs> the man that invented college now. He didn't invent college and then go on and go to college. He had to say, I'm going to come up with something called college. So, you know, I did not get that foundation. And so, it, you know, when I started the whole journey, when I came out the fog and came out of prison, everybody wants to say, well, you got your master's in prison. Did you? No, I did not. But with a fourth to sixth grade understanding of education is how I started that process. And it was just little eye drops, not even a spoonful. And so I want to give anyone out there, it has been a 30-year excruciating journey to get a book written because of the judgment, the self-judgment in my heart of myself. I couldn't do it. I was, it was literally paralyzing. And so I had to work myself up from a fourth to sixth grade reading level. And people say, how did you get a master's? You know, luckily I met, you know, Cynthia Morrow, who was a white girl who was coming through the program with me. And she took me by the baby finger. And she said, if you trust me. And she basically became my tutor in the moment of while she was doing her master's. The girl did a dual master's. But I'm here to tell you, willpower. And I, I'm a, I, I cannot stress it. I don't care what you think you see. There's something called faith. And you are not even supposed to see it. You can't see it. You are as, as unique as your fingerprint. When you understand that, when you understand there is no other you, then the insecurity our mind whips our behinds on a regular basis. The insecurity that I feel, I told Juan the first thing today, I got some spots on my face right here. I couldn't put makeup on because I'm working on my skin because I, 
I was uh, didn't take sunscreen seriously. I said, I got to get this insecurity out. I got to talk about that so I could rest. I don't have on any makeup. I got spots on my face. This is my mind is whooping my behind until I speak on it. Then it does not become insecurity anymore. I have a challenge and I'm cool with it. And that's what I leave to each and every one of you that think you might not be enough. How do I sit on here and tell you fourth to sixth grade level? And yet I continue to believe and God put the people in my path that I needed. And that's how I got a master's in psychology. So writing grants and proposals and things like that was never my strong suit. So what did I do? I got out of the penitentiary. I'm out to penitentiary. I get this master's in clinical psychology. I'm with Layla Steinberg who began Tupac Shakur's career and all the youngsters coming through have no driver's license. And Rusty was the first one. And so Rusty, I got appointed to a state board for the first time in the history of the United States. We had a 21-year-old black male appointed to a state board. I was like, what is a state board? And he was appointed to a state board over juvenile reform. He had been to juvenile like 10 times before by the time he was 17. So you had all these PhDs, you know, masters, and then Gregory Rusty Bell. And they appointed him to sit on the state board. And then they took it back because he had outstanding traffic citations. And in that moment, I said, I got to do something. I can't let, he took the appointment and then stepped down because he said, you know, he's not politics. I mean, politics. (laughs) (laughs) And so he took the appointment, he stepped, but they had taken it from him. And I said, I can't let this happen. So I just hit the ground, flat foot running of how do I clean up these traffic citations? And I was able to do that one court at a time. Going into the courtroom, telling the bailiff, look, this young man has seven traffic citations. i got to clean this up. I need some assistance. And so then I started looking at all the other young black kids that didn't have no driver's license. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Driving three times under suspension, mandatory jail time. Ah, this is the new vehicle to the prison system. And so that's when I started doing the advocacy work on ground zero. I remember my father used to, you know, my mother and father, I came through family violence, used to put us out. So now homelessness is in my heart. So if, can I go sit a meal away from somebody who's homeless? Can I sit it at a distance where I don't put myself in danger? And I have to just hit the ground flat foot running. Like, what can I do as an individual? And that's what I share with this entire audience is chosen and highly favored. Hear me for Wanda to have the mindset to come grab me now. Each and every one of you who are here, you are chosen and highly favored. This moment is a life-changing moment. How quick do we change our lives? How quick do we change our minds? How quick do we make a decision? Blink your eyes. Your mind just had to tell your eyes to blink. That's how quick you do it. Faster than you can blink your eyes. I got tired of hurting. I don't want to see somebody else hurt that I feel like I could make a difference. So in our community, let's say all of us start passing out pillows at night. I call myself the pillow fairy. I run the streets from ex-convict to a master's in clinical psychology to an executive producer in Hollywood. I want y'all to understand starring on a show is one thing. EP is the highest credit you get in Hollywood. That means I brought it all together by the grace of God. What's the most important thing I do in my life? I run the streets at night with pillows. 
I don't knock on no uh, RV, not a car, not a tent. I be looking for the one on the ground. Because it's levels out there when you're homeless. And then I ask, can I feed you? Would you give me the privilege to take this food from my hand? Could I give you a pillow? That's the most important thing that anyone can do in life. That's what matters. And that's how you start. Do what you can. Our babies hurt and killing each other. Keep believing it's something gonna get. Cheryl, your passion is just it's it's coming through. The passion that you have to see others have a better life or be served in another way. It's admirable. I know when I when I saw you on social media and you were handing out meals and you were, you know, and now hearing that you give out pillows, hearing yeah. that you are looking for those that have walked the path, you walk that path. Yes. And how you have a passion to not only serve, but to educate. Well, we could all join forces here. That's why you was chosen and highly favored and God touched your mind to set this up because now we're going to be soldiers, all of us on ground zero together. And I want to go back to something you said when you talk about speaking out, when you when you let go of the fear, when you speak out on it, you release the power that it has over you. Yes. It doesn't have no more power over if you if you can release that shame. And then we were talking about that. I've been doing some shame work outside of uh, in my personal life. And yes. when you speak out that thing, it doesn't have a hold over you anymore. <clears throat> and that's how you were able to. I mean, part of that is dealing with all of those things of dealing with the things that you've gone through, speaking them out so that you can no longer hide. That you no longer want to sit back and shrink back. You want to be out in service because you're now free from the things of your past. And nobody can hold that over you. And nobody can say, well, look at you. Yeah, look at me. But look at me now. Yeah. And I just want to thank you for just sharing that because it touched my life. It touched me as I'm hearing you, your words really sink into my soul. Like, okay. You can let that thing go and walk in a totally complete freedom. No question. And, and I was, before we came on air, you share it with me, you know, the struggles that you're going through. We all are, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to say acceptance and love, self love, self acceptance. It took a long time for me. I, I have this, you know, fat around my stomach. I rather not have it. Life would be probably a lot lighter and fluffier if I did. And yet, I can't say I love this, but I can say I'm in a, an acceptance space and being in an acceptance space of I am okay the way I am gives my mind time to rest, to find the silence between the judgment in the mind. And now you get to step out and be like, wow, these thoughts are shooting so fast through my mind all day long. When do I get a chance to breathe and relax? When do I stop these voices from torturing me? And now that acceptance mode that you went in just shot you into awareness. Now you can sit back and hear these voices. Oops, thoughts. I always tell people their thoughts when you want to stay out of the mental institution, Mm -hmm. their voices when you want to go in, but I call them what they are. 
I hear voices. And so the one basic thing that I tell everyone and where I started, I started practicing yoga. And I, I don't like that term because it paints these pictures of people twisting themselves in pretzels. Mm-hmm. And that's not it. It's breath and spirit. It connects. And so by stretching and feeling the discomfort and learning to go back to the power of the breath, now over a period of time, your mind going to rewire itself. Because with everything that happens in your life, you go back to your power. How could it be so powerful? What did I say to you earlier, Wanda, when we were talking? Oh, gosh, you've said so much. Give me some more. Give me some more. Oh, because we're holding our breath all the time. Yeah. Because the the way we operate, we're in this state of fight or flight, right? Fight or flight. We're just always tense. Yeah. Yeah. And that and I say this skipping and everything is at two and three. We're naked running around and nobody cares who, you know, you see a little nobody cares how old are we when we skipping and everything's cool and somebody say put your hands up what put your arms all the way up what what is it it's deodorant it's deodorant yeah 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 you got to use this because you stink exactly oh i don't smell good enough wait a minute one second ago i was cool now my whole life just changed oh i gotta wear it also i'm not pretty enough rich enough I catch that I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. And so this is ingrained from ads and everything that, and so we understand. But when I earlier and I said, this is all an illusion. And I always say, just do this. <sighs> and understand that's the last thing you do before you come up out, the spirit comes out of this shell. Wait a minute, let me do it again. You got that kind of power in you. Like that is powerful, undeniable. That as long as you waking up and you can wake up and be like, open your eyes and breathe. You understand the rest of this is an illusion. So where do I find my peace inside my power? So that's why I jumped into this whole yoga world because I didn't understand what I was doing, but I wanted to find peace you know when i was in the penitentiary i saw the lifers were doing all this stretching and 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 i started um instructing aerobics the girl had been down 15 years she went home and i started just walking and then from walking i don't advise anyone to run it's very damaging on the body but back then i did and the lifers came to me and they was like rich man we see you you done got deep off into your body and come on join us with yoga i was like first of all you all cut your mama's heads off and and and, and boiled it and you you know you killed your husband and you f- killed your baby and chopped it up and fed that y'all what is y'all talking y'all know y'all don't even talk to population you all like lepers and they were like well, rich we just want no nah, i don't want to do nothing so when i get home my son get killed in a car accident and i'm at a health spot i look in this little bitty window and i was like they in there stretching doing that yoga and I was like, well, you can really go kill yourself. So maybe you should go in and try something before you commit suicide. And I walked in this room. And for the first time, 
there I was with me and my breath. So it ain't, it's not about the postures. I want everybody listening to do this right now, real quick. Don't let a demon in hell tell you not to do this. Close your eyes, feel the cool air coming into your nose only, warm air releasing. Cool air in the nose only, warm air out. One more time, long, slow, and deep. Cool air in the nose only, warm air out. Now, if you just did that, I say it so fast because I flood the brain. The brain can't think of two things at one time. You just have peace of mind. Because for moments, you found some silence between the chatter. You keep doing that, your mind going to rewire itself. So when we add body movement, then you hear the judgment. Oh, wow. It's hurt. Wait a minute. I used to could do that. Oh, my God. My stomach won't let me. And then you go back to the breath. Back to the breath. And then you're going to rewire your entire brain over a period of time. Then you're going to step outside of life. Ah, now you're in acceptance and awareness. And you find joy. Happy meal, baby. Eat a meal and you're happy for it, but it's fleeting. Joy is internal. And once you find that, not a demon in hell can take that from you. And all of that is in your own power. And that's where I started. That's how I started. Long, slow, and deep breathing and some stretching. Three minutes at night. Start there. Ooh. I didn't know I was going to be so overcome on my own show, but it is all good because you are just dropping knowledge. You're so right about the breath and yoga. And it's, it's about finding that internal thing, coming into yourself, mm-hmm. ruling out and letting go of all the chatter, all of the negativity, and just kind of centering yourself and focusing on your breathing. And we don't because we, we, we live in a state of... I think everyone's so holding their breath that they don't even realize how tense they are with all the things going on, yes. racial tension, you know, yes. violence, all this political shenanigans going on and everything. And we're in this state where we're in this eustress all the time and our body, we can't even really exhale. We don't exhale like we should because our body is just trying to keep up. But yes. when you take a step back, when you sit in gratitude, when you take those deep breaths, when you just take a moment to stretch your body, when mm. you take a moment to clear your mind and just let it all go mm. and allow yourself to breathe deeply, that's the best thing that we can do. And we don't recognize that we don't do it enough. And we don't recognize that we don't, we don't give ourselves permission to stop and do it. Good point. Because if I stop, then that means this is not getting done. The kids aren't getting fed and I'm not doing this. Just stop. One of my favorite sayings, and I, I swear I'm going to get a tattoo of it on my arm, emboldened across my arm. One of, one of my favorite sayings is stay in the moment. I had wow. to learn that one the hard way because I was so busy focused wow. on the future, which is anxiety, worried yes. about the past, which is depression. But I wasn't staying and being grateful in the moment. Mm. And so I got three pieces of confirmation of stay in the moment in different ways, different really bizarre ways. But it was like, that's my mantra. And when I feel myself winding up, 
What's what's really happening, Wanda? What's the truth of what's happening right now? What's happening in this moment? I have to talk myself back down. Mm-hmm. So I have to find those methods to to talk ourselves into a place where we can find rest. Indeed. Where, yeah, where we can let ourselves go. When we can just allow ourselves to be. Yes. And not worrying about anything else. And I do the grounding method. Touch yourself. You know, at any given moment that you're feeling that overwhelming stress. And I've limited myself to the news. But start to just touch yourself. I don't. I can't even uh, listen to a lot of the things that are happening, like what just happened in New York. I find myself, I can take it in for a moment. And after a certain length of time, it's like, something I'd be like, tell people, hold it, hold it. They'd be like, whoa, that's enough. Ever since 9-11, I stopped really watching the news. So, but ground ourselves touch yourself hug yourself do we do that enough we want hugs from everyone else if you ain't hugging yourself and now once you start hugging yourself if you don't get the hugs from others it's okay because you ground yourself in any moment that you feel the anxiety because anxiety is real and it's a human experience and we're supposed to have it but we also supposed to live this in the moment, like you say, stay. Because that, oops, it's gone now, Wanda. We got this moment. Uh-oh, it's gone. Now we got this moment. Oops. <laughs> That's really all we got, right? I tell everybody, my son said, mama, mama. I was like, what, boy? I'll be right back next time. I caught him you stretch in the casket. I want to talk about that when we come back from the break. Because I have a couple of questions around that. Family, my guest today is Cheryl Rich, clinical psychologist, life coach, executive producer, certified intervention specialist, and so much more survivor, queen, you know, all of the things. Family, keep it right here. We'll be right back after this. Like and share our Facebook page at Full Circle. 97.5. We're back, family. Thank you so much for staying with the program. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Ms. Wanda. We are jumping right back into conversation with my guest, Cheryl Rich, clinical psychologist. Cheryl's just been dropping nuggets of knowledge all day, family. Like I said, I am having a whole emotional experience having this conversation with you. And it is not by chance. I do not believe in coincidences. And I feel like you're the same way. Like, you know that this was predestined. That's it. For us to be here and have this conversation. And not just for us, for everybody that's not only listening right now live, but people that will find the podcast later. Before every show, I pray for the people that are listening either now and later, that their lives will be touched in some way. And so I know that this is this is all part of God's plan and I'm here for it all. I want him to use me however he sees fit because it's, wow. you know, his purpose is greater than mine. Woo, That's it, it, Mama. That's it. I want to go back to, you mentioned in the first segment that you, well, we mentioned that you were a mom at 12 and yeah. that being 12 and still developing into your own self and you now you have this child and you yeah. said that you basically hated him as a youngster. Yes. Right. As you were growing up. Talk about your experience as how did that who helped you mother him? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I couldn't. That's for sure. Uh-huh. It's what, uh-huh. You know, but um, I had a lot. Of, I had the responsibility was placed on me to uh, to do his shoes every night. You know, I had to wash his shoestrings every night, polish his shoes, do the formula. My mother was, you know, 
devastated. The whole house went in an uproar. And that's really when the family violence kicked off. My mother and father did not know how to handle it. My sister, she's eight years older. She skied up out the house and it was just me, Eric, mom and daddy. And uh, the person who I said was the father, that family came in on weekends. I got a chance to get rid of him. You know, and one voice was saying, you know, right now, one voice was saying, say that you had a chance, you know, to take him to his father's house. There's another voice just told me, no, say the truth, because the truth was get rid of him. You know, I was in the hospital when I gave birth. I had a chatty Cathy doll. And I distinctly remember putting him down because I was in a maternity home, supposed to give him up for adoption. And I called when it found out I was going to keep him. uh, They brought him in for feeding and I had my chatty Cathy doll and I called uh, the nurse and it was one black nurse because this was a very expensive place to be. And I said, I'm done. And she said, what do you mean? Feeding time is an hour. You get to keep your baby for an hour. And I said, I don't want him. And she started crying. And I'm sitting there feeding Chatty Kathy because Chatty Kathy didn't move like mm-hmm. this other thing did. And um, she said, if, if she started crying, she said, if you can't deal with him for an hour, what will you do for 18 years? And I never thought about that statement until he was on the news under a sheet. And I knew that was his body and he was dead. And in that moment, I was screaming, Mama, Mama, because we was all gathered around the TV watching. And I said, the nurse. God brought that moment back to me and I found a sense of some peace. I just came home from the joint. I'm ready to love this kid. I hate it. And now he's gone. Mm. But in that moment, God said, I told you when he was born. And in it, I said, not 19, not 17. He died at 18, just like the nurse said. And then the awareness of the spiritual journey wasn't there, but it was my first inside to wow you know things happen that set up for other situations so my mother and them she you know she just put too much it was just too much responsibility i got a chance to go back to school and my my family was able to hire uh, someone that came into the house her name was betsy mm-hmm. and she took over but uh nobody knew what to do and you know, I was just made to deal with it. And I used to hear my mother say, you know, you made your bed hard, you're going to lay in it. So I did not like him. But I have a, my sister's husband who's known me all my life. His name is Steve. And he said he used to be in the back door when I got, you know, came back to play with my friends, which was his sister and another girl. I would say, hold my baby. Here, hold him. I would kick the ball and run the bases and come back and put my baby back on my hip. And right now, Steve said he knew, he said she's either going to self-destruct or she's going to do something that's going to be so powerful. Because even with that baby, I kept, I went on and kept running those bases. So. At what point did the feeling for your son turn, though? Oh, when I came home. Not until I came home. Oh, from, from prison? Yes. Right before he passed away. Six months, 17 days later. And the moment that I came home and he knew I was getting my freedom, he started using drugs himself. So it was his way of, you know, paying me back for the pain I put him through. And God would have it that he didn't get a chance to stay too long. Six months, 17 days later, he got his wings. We all shall get our wings. 
And I, that's what I call it. We take a trip with our luggage. Could you imagine if you think you've grown at 30? At 30 years old, he come up out of his body and he's gone. You either get to grow old or you make a beautiful young corpse. I got a respect for age that the average can't even understand. So, How were you able to reconcile when your son died? How were you able to forgive yourself and move yeah. forward? Yeah. Great question. When I got out, I felt like I had paid all my dues. <laughs> it was okay. just like, although society does not let you live it down once you come home from prison, you are an ex-con until the day you die in a land where America's first heroes was America's first crooks. I tell everybody, everybody that ran up in that, that White House was descendants of the ones that ran up on this land. Okay. But um, you don't get a chance to live it down. And uh, when I came home, I felt I had paid my dues. And Eric was in a lot of pain, and I saw it. But for six months, 17 days, he had a chance to see me in a state whereas I'm going to figure this out. And I had a chance, my boy had a chance to say, and I, I tell any parent, as much as we hear it happening, you have the power to command the demons to take their hand off your baby. I did not know it then. His father, Milton, you know, the one who I said was his dad, um, called me three days in a row and said, I need to, I need to pray for Eric. I need to lay hands on Eric. And I, I thought it was, I was like, man, call your daddy, you tripping, you know? And, uh, the third day, Milton comes screaming like, why do you tell I need to talk to? And that day I was like, you know what? Your daddy really tricked Will you call your father? Next day he was dead. So I believe there was a moment there. All things are meant to be, but we do have choice. That's the most powerful thing. We do have choice. So I had a chance to have him say, you know, I'm proud of you. And it was a, it was a moment in time. When I came home from prison, he was, uh, it's a song that say, keep on moving, you know, keep on moving, don't stop. So he in the back seat, my mama driving. And uh, he said, mama, that's what you're going to do. You're going to keep on moving. You ain't going to stop. I remember thinking to him, I was like, yeah, sure. I glanced out of my left eye. I was lost. How was I not going to go back to penitentiary? So. But we had some time, those six months, 17 days to, to enjoy each other with me not addicted to drugs. Just the fact that he was able to see that before he goes, no matter what, you know, I don't know what took place in his childhood and how that was, but to be there and see that. Yeah. Before he went on. Grace. Yeah. That's yeah. grace. That is grace. Ooh, that is so beautiful. Yeah. At what point did you from when your child passed on, you were still in Cleveland. Yes. Correct? Okay. So at what point did you say, I'm going to Hollywood? And before you do that, was yeah. that always a dream? In fact, I want to go back a little bit and then come forward. Mm -hmm. So when you got your degree, was education always in the front of your mind? Like, did you know that that was the key for you? That's going to be very interesting in the book. Okay. All right. All right. Leave it. Yeah. In Leave it in That's there. a great question. <laughs> <laughs> you have to ask yourself, ghetto streets of Cleveland, mother at 12. Like how did the education keep going? That was, what? that was a question. I'm going to read it in the book. Okay. Honey, I'm going to read it. Yeah. In the I book. want you to get that one out the book. Cause okay. when I when you read that, you're going to be like, what? 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So for, forward, forward pass. Uh-huh. All right. Uh-huh. So then Hollywood, was that like, how did Hollywood come about? Yeah. Well, the power of the media. I always tell her, they say that TV was set up for television. Television? Television. Smokescreen for what's really happening in the world. And that's why they set Hollywood up. And But the power of the media. And when I was little, I used to love the Beverly Hillbillies. And I would look at their floors and look at our floors and look back at their floors. I was like, I got to blow this joint. You know, Drysdale, Mr. Drysdale got a Cadillac and Granny and, and Ellen May. I, I, I was like, you're going to say about eight, nine. Like, I got something is somewhere else is, is better than what I'm here. And so when I'm in laying in a prison cell two and a half years into my bit, the power of music, Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. For everybody out there listening right now that want to be a victim, mm-mm. Victim when you're a kid, can't help yourself. You got to choose. You're either a victim or a survivor now if your frontal lobe is fully developed. And uh, Michael Jackson's song came on Man and Mary sang it for the first time on TV. And I jumped up off that bunk in that prison cell and went and looked in a makeshift mirror that was a piece of tin. And I looked in my eyes. There are no more excuses. I don't care what mama, how she liked, who better, whatever. It's on me now. And right after that moment, Don King came on Power Media. And Don King was from prison. I mean, he'd been to prison. He's from Cleveland. And I said, wow, if he got out, he did. That's why we have to have examples. I did what I did. I refused to stop. It's It's a little girl laying in the penitentiary. She got to see me. I got to give a person not only hope, but I got to let them know in the core of your existence that you can find peace. Because without that, all the rest is irrelevant. Mm. You see, so when I saw Don King, I thought, boxing? No, (gasps) Beverly Hillbillies. Because that's how much they affected me. And... um, when I was little, I used to always, you know, want to have singing groups. And so I just said, I'm getting out. I'm going to love this kid. I hate it. And I'm, I'm going to Hollywood. <laughs> so Eric, by the time Eric got his wings, when he got, you know, died in a car accident, and I was like, well, I really got to go for broke now. Yeah, you there know, was what? nothing keeping you there. And no. that was the thing to me. It seemed like that would be the thing that's like, OK, life is too short. It's now or never. Yes. Yes. But again, searching for something called success. And the creator was so merciful. She, God, God's a girl in my world, held it back. It took me 25 years, six months to crack this game. So that I could understand, ah, I was desperate for success. Oh, it's financial success I'm looking for. Because success can only be found inside. There are many people sitting in prison who are no longer in prison. That's success. So I jumped out here because I, you know, coming from nothing, got a lot of people, you know, on my back. Like I'm looking over my shoulder. Money gives you, unfortunately, a piece of paper carry a whole lot of weight. And it gives you the ability to make a difference. 
So the lights, camera, action right now that is hit, and I got people like you reaching out, and I've got them saying, oh, man, you're a star. You got the star quality. You know, you got that it. That's what they call it in Hollywood. You just got that it factor. Louis B. Mayer, if you don't know who that is, Google him. Mm-hmm. One of the ones that set this game up. And what I hear when I, when I hear that is, ha, ah, life has bent you something horribly, and you found humbleness, didn't you dare? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Do not believe the illusion, baby. Yeah. It's the whole key. You know, as this thing moves forward and forward it shall. I'm honored to be out here on the front line, you know, cutting my heart open and letting it bleed on the table inside the house. I'd like to say Doug DeLuca co-producer of Jimmy Kimmel. He and Jimmy Kimmel go way back. They hit the trenches together. And we got somebody like Doug DeLuca that would actually put his name on an all-gay black show. Black men without a dress on. The gatekeepers was like, puzzle. We love RuPaul. I love RuPaul. And the gatekeepers was like, wait, wait, where, black men, wear the dress. And who is that? What is she? Like, <laughs> I'm sitting there. Everybody say, are you gay? I tell everybody I used to be gay and I used to be straight. Now I just want to get in bed and go to sleep by eight. (laughs) I done sucked and licked enough things in my life, right? (laughs) So there I am. I pushed this project for the black man because when they gun in our bed, when they gun us down in the streets, them blue eyed, them wicked demon killer cops are not saying wait a minute before i blow your brains out are you gay or straight black man black king who i'm so threatened by whatever hanging between your legs has driven me crazy for all these years you know right reason why baby it's like so it's not about gay or straight it's about it's about people black people having a voice having a space like you are providing uh wanda it was so important for me to get out front and push for the black man, never thinking I would find Doug DeLuca, who heard my plea and watched me for many years. People like Doug, that's the paid his dues, they don't let you in that door, baby. They let you in and you still gonna chase your tail. Cause they gotta, could you imagine this man? Will she use drugs again? Will she become a heroin addict? Will she go back to prison? What? That's a big feat, you know? And then I went in and by the grace found Kurt T. Jones. And by the time Doug had let me chase my tail, because they don't put you under the wing and say, okay, we'll learn to go produce. No, you got to figure this out. And God sent me a black strong brother by way of a guy named Anthony Perkins, who is a part of the house intricately, those shots that you see to pan back. And, and then you got Kurt T. Jones, who's the director showrunner, who basically took Aaron Johnson Levy, who's the creator of the house, and no baby is ugly. But Kurt said we brought him a little ugly baby and Kurt molded. it. And first thing I did was, um, by the grace, I met Doug Jeffrey of 41 Sets. Look up his company, 41 Sets. Bill Sets for the entertainment industry. And Doug Jeffrey came in with first money. And in my heart, I knew if Doug would come in and he just admired Doug DeLuca so much. It was like the puzzle pieces was there and I knew that set would look like something that Cost 150000 And so by the time Doug Jeffrey said yes, 
Doug DeLuca say, ah, you found Kurt T. Jones. Now we got something here. And Kurt basically has really, with everybody on the crew, Mindy, uh, Fresh, all of us together. But Kurt really been carrying that show on his back. And uh, here we are. And now you're an executive producer, one of the executive producers of the show. When we come back, I want to talk, I want the people to know what the house is and a little bit more about the conversations that are had on the house. That'll Thank be you. our last segment, and then I'm going to let you go be fabulous out in the world. Keep it right here, family. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda. We'll be right back after this, fam. Empowerment through conversation, that starts with you. Tell us what topics you want to hear. Drop us a line at fullcircle975 at gmail.com. And we're back with Miss Wanda, life coach, motivational speaker, and friend of sisters everywhere. This is Full Circle. We're back, family. Thank you so much for staying with the program. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a conversation with my guest, clinical psychologist Cheryl Rich. She's also executive producer of a show called The House on Fox Soul. And family, I, so many of my friends, I'm asking them, like, you watch Fox Soul, right? They're like, no, nah, I never heard of it. I'm like, what? Like, this is an amazing network for us. You know, I yeah. know James Dubose is yes. like the man behind Fox Soul. And again, yes. like I said, I watch, there are three shows I faithfully watch every week. Cocktails with Queens, TGIF, and The House, which is my new favorite. Oh. Um, you're in season two now, The yes. House. Tell yes, everybody, for those that are not familiar with The House, so you, we talked a little bit about it in yeah. the last segment, but tell everybody about The House. The House, if you ask me, is a mental health show wrapped up in disguised with food, fun, and laughter. That's really what it is, because it's, it's, although it's, we have built it as an LBGTQ plus talk show, it's about universal ideas, thoughts, challenges, where who's in between one legs, you know, does not come into play. So it is very thought-provoking, you know some critical thinking happening, some laughter. And uh, for the first time, it's never been done in Hollywood. All gay black talk show, all gay black men and me. Someone who refuses to fit in any box. You know, I tell everybody right now, if there should be LBGTQ, you know, if I had to claim one, it would be the L and that would be not lesbian. It would be love. Yeah. yeah. And so the house is for that. It is uh, for young Wanda nine, 10 year old Wanda, nine, 10 year old Cheryl, parents that have children that are not necessarily, they don't know if they're gay or straight or whatever, but they know they have that child that's just different. And that's what the house is for. Howie Mandel let us shoot in his studio because of Kurt T. Jones, our showrunner. Again, Doug DeLuca, who Jimmy Kimmel and him came through the ranks together, put his name on this. So very, very powerful space. And, uh, as it continues to roll out, we, we had third episode of second season yesterday. I'm sitting like, wow, I, I don't know what that girl going to say on that show. But I do know it is people there that care and want to make a difference. Um, how did you get involved? Aaron Johnson Levy, who is the creator of the show, I have known since he was like 17. And Aaron is 40 something now. So we go way back. We both left Cleveland with this whole dream of Hollywood. But uh, Aaron has been very different from a very young child, and his family did not know what to do with him. And at 17 years old, I went to my first gay bar, 
and I came home and told my mother, you know, hey, I'm, this is Yvonne. I'm, you know, I'm gay and, mm -hmm. you know, you got to deal with it. And my mother had a nervous breakdown. So I, for Aaron, I pushed this project. I really did all I could to get this. And he created it because he, he you know, he was talking to Doug and Doug said, hey, Aaron, really, I like him. And people like Doug don't say that often. So when he created this, I just knew it was for black men to have a space. And, and uh, I just kept believing. I stumbled yeah. across the show after, like I said, watch TGIF and you guys came on after. And first I was like, well, this isn't my community. Like I'm a straight black woman. Yes. Uh, but there was something about the conversation that I found fascinating. And I always try to be an ally or understand communities that are not like mine. So when I first watched it, I was like, well, this doesn't really pertain to me. But then as I, again, started hearing the conversations and the thoughts of not only the host, but the guests, I thought this is conversation for anybody. Like if you want to understand the point of view of someone else, why not sit in their world and hear the conversations that are going on. And that from then on, I was like, yeah, I love the house because I love hearing the, the viewpoints, things I don't know about. I don't know about what it what it's like to be gay or a gay man or a gay black man or any of that stuff. Yes. But hearing the conversations and hearing the guests, it's just a, to me, it's just I don't want I don't mean to say just a talk show, but to me, it's it's just a talk show. It, yeah. it doesn't have a label to it. And oh. I don't feel like I should have a label to enjoy it. Yeah, well, you know, I'm glad you said that because um, that's exactly one who is really operating from a higher frequency is able to say, you know, you made such good points there. You listened and felt a little guilty at first, like, wait a minute, LBGTQI, that ain't me. I'm strictly dickly. Uh -huh. that's, she was like, hey, no, this ain't. And then you. <laughs> I get it, girl. Uh -huh. Then you listened a little longer and was like, well, wait a minute, just, there's some universal themes happening here. Right. So, it, and I've got, there's a husband and wife, you wouldn't believe, husband and wife who have two kids mm -hmm. who are reaching out saying, hey, you all are making a difference. Yeah. We've never seen anything like this in Hollywood. So when you say it's just a talk show, you're right. Yeah. It's a, just a talk show on steroids. Mm -hmm. Everybody watching this, this is historical. I it's love historical. it. It's, it's groundbreaking, family. So if you haven't seen it, it comes on Friday nights, Fox Soul, 6 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, right after TGIF. It is, a, the conversation is so rich. And the food looks so amazing. Oh, it's delicious. I was like, is that real food? They're actually really grubbing it's, on the show. Yeah, that's my favorite part because I don't cook. But Fox Soul was the ones who opened their door and said, come on in. You know, all the other, the other gatekeepers were like, hey, it's good. But, uh -uh. you know, but Fox Soul. And what James and his team is over there, Claudia, Funky Dineva, Al, uh, just embrace me on their show. I mean, mm -hmm. like, spread it around because BET been gone. We definitely need a voice and our stories need to be told. And we grateful for Fox Soul. It's amazing. And Daddy Fox, because Daddy Fox <laughs> had the OK Fox Soul. Yeah, right. Grateful right? Yeah. for the minds. I, so, family, please check it out. I think it's a, a phenomenal show. And I love all the hosts. I, I love all the hosts and their different personalities and flavors and perspectives. That's the cool thing. It's kind of like it reminds me of the view and the fact that you've got these different points of view coming in. 
you know, right. they have some similarity, but then their backgrounds and experiences are so different. And to hear the experiences of the guests that are on, it's just really a phenomenal show. I'm glad you said that because I said it in the beginning. I said when I first started, you know, pushing the project, I said it's the view on steroids. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what it is. And it is a different different uh, take. I am at Cheryl Helps on IG. I'd like to say that. At Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L. R-I-C-H at Cheryl Helps. We can be found. The house is the house talk. And so you can go to YouTube and see the first season, 11 episodes. Then you can type in on Fridays at 6, like get ready around 6.30 LA time, Pacific time. You can go to YouTube and type in Fox Soul. And then the house is going to come up and you can communicate in real time with us. All right, so we call it not fans, but fam. We are family you know, uniting to make this world a better place. So all of our hashtags are there. I'm Cheryl Rich, C-H-E-R-Y-L-R-I-C-H.com. On Facebook, The Real Cheryl Rich and Cheryl Rich. I got two. I don't know how to combine the two, but most definitely give Fox Soul some shout out, you know, and come and venture in and so that you can go be a voice and have an understanding shoulder for someone who is different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cheryl, you've got the book coming out. What else is next for you? That's a good question. Well, I am right now. There's 1% of us who are who's in this crypto world right now. And just like we heard Bitcoin, Bitcoin, a lot of us mm-hmm. in the black community was like, what's that? And that's all we did. There's something called the NFT Bible, non-fungible token Bible. And technology right now is... Uh, it's evening the playing field. People that the greatest transfer of wealth is happening in mankind. And if God don't come get this world or, you know, some other virus doesn't come and kill, something is going to give the powers that be the one percenters, these demonic forces of greed mm-hmm. is going to have to shift. So that's my plan right now. I'm working on a project around crypto that will have the uh, ability to affect many in our community with the vision of creating generational wealth, because that's what's happening. So there's another project called Dance America School Dance Teams with Maria Lyons, Trey Parker, Doug DeLuca, creator of uh, Ninja Warriors, uh, Kent Weed, and Honey, that mindset of Kent Weed, and help build that out. So it's a few things that are happening. and uh, But what I want is what God wants. That's what I've learned. And while we are putting our requests in, oh, oh God, please, you know, man, I ran with desperateness for a long time. It's got a stench to it. And I will say these words, it's gotten so rough in my life that I've carried three cardboard signs. One said seeking human kindness. One said just hungry. And the other one said broke, but not broken. I encourage my people that through all the challenges, there's got to be a way. Courage is free. Hashtag that. You know, anybody that wants in and wants to even check out what's happening within entertainment, go to the Chamber of Commerce. Your Chamber of Commerce is where the movers and shakers are happening. Anything shooting in that town got to go through the Chamber. I leave that. But most of all, understand you can't find success, baby. That's inside. Breathe long, slow, and deep. Understand this is all just an illusion. Start some type of practice all day, every day, stretch anywhere, but three minutes at night, take out time for you. And those three minutes will grow. Mine grew from three minutes to 20 minutes, took me in a yoga room 
for 90 minutes, that's 20 plus years of stretching and breathing and getting to know myself and saying, I will part by saying this. We are all as unique as your, as your fingerprint. Check your fingerprint out. Nobody else has it. You're all you need to be in. It don't matter what kind of glasses, shoes, car. Know that you are unique and live your life. Love your life. You heard it, fam. One last thing. When is the book scheduled to come out? Naked Insanity is the book. When yes. Is, sometime later on this year. Yes, and I got a, a Rayanne, who I found in Canada with horses and snow, and she finally was the one. She survived sex trafficking. She came in with the whole grit of life, and she's coddling me like a baby. You know, it's hard for me to trust people. I've been through so much. Rayanne is really uh, working with me, and we're looking at, you know, real soon, okay. it's finally going to be completed, at least first memoir. Wanda, thank you for everything. Thank you for all that you are doing, that you got the heart to sit here and do what you're doing. And we never know how God is going to reunite us. She was real smart to snatch me right now. I am honored. Oh, thank you. The honor is all mine that you I even too. answered the, the, the text that you even said, yes, I've been on cloud nine ever since because I yeah. knew that you were an amazing force and I can feel your energy from the screen. And I knew that you had a powerful story that needs to be heard by millions and will be heard by millions. But I wanted the first couple of million to be heard right here on Full Circle. Don't get it confused. I wanted the first couple of million to be right here on Full Circle. <laughs> Much- Smart move, my girl. Smart <laughs> Much love to you, Cheryl. Thank you again so much for being here. I can't even express enough. Follow Cheryl on social media on Instagram at Cheryl Helps. Again, that's at Cheryl Helps, and I'll put all of this on the Full Circle page. Also, check out The House at The House Talk, and also check out Fox Soul. Again, The House airs Friday nights. 6 p.m. You can catch it. I watch it on YouTube. You can watch it online and you can also watch the replays during the week. So check it out. It's conversation worth listening to. Even if that's not your community or your makeup, it's thorough, good conversation. So that's how we're doing it, family. Show love to everyone you meet and I'll see you next week. Peace. This has been Full Circle. Follow our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5.